Welcome to the Bold SLP Podcast. We are so happy that you're here and can't wait to share with you all of the amazing conversations we've been having. We are the co-founders of the Bold SLP Collective, and we are also your hosts, Lisa, Desi, and myself, Ingrid. Each of us has a variety of experiences in all things bilingual and bimodal speech-language pathology. You'll get to know us pretty well on here. We started this podcast to share our lived experiences, but also because we want to bring advocacy and cultural humility to the forefront of every speech therapy conversation. We hope that you'll join us each week, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Bold SLP podcast. I am here with Desi and Ingrid and Barbara Fernandez. Oh my goodness, fangirling right now. Barbara, can you introduce yourself, please? I think this part of introducing myself is going to be the hardest thing of the next 30 minutes. Even though I said just a few minutes ago before we started recording that finding one word to describe all of this is going to be harder because I've been overthinking a lot about when we introduce ourselves these days, we tend to introduce ourselves by profession. And that's such a smaller part of who we are. And, but then I've been thinking, what am I? Who am I? So I am a uh, Brazilian woman and I currently live in Texas. I'm also a speech language pathologist. Um, a lot of what my day entails is being an entrepreneur and innovating within our field, creating technology that is supporting those of you in practice to support kids with a variety of different communication disorders. I'm a mom to two young kids that take up also a gigantic part of of my life. I love to do adventurous things. I ride motorcycles. I cut my own hair and I've traveled 12 continents in the world. So I think that kind of gives an idea a little bit about myself. Thank you for that. That is so amazing to hear about all the wonderful things that make you who you are. Because we, you're right, we tend to focus on this one dimension. Although, thankfully, on this podcast, we love to branch out and talk about other different things. So now that you've put me on, um, put us onto who you are, um, I wanted to mention one of the reasons or one of the ways in which you've uh, impacted at least me. Um, when I started following you on Instagram, it's because of a reel that you posted. This reel was about an ASHA interaction you had with a former professor. Um, I'm just wondering what you can tell us about that situation. And I know that you said it influenced you to write your book. Yeah. So this year you're sharing a video that I kind of vaguely remember going back to my room that night. It was uh, 20. So 2021. And then I go back. So I was at an event during the ASHA convention and I was there with a lot of my very close friends that I've had for over a decade when she approached me and asked how I was doing and asked if I missed graduate school. So in that conversation, it was pretty clear that my response made her really unhappy. And uh, a, a giant conversation and things that I actually suppressed from that night, which is really interesting how our brain responds to these things. I went back to my room and I made a video and 
it was just at the spur of the moment. And I was just sharing that I hope that people feel comfortable being able to express their lived experiences. But we, I also understand how hard it is to do this because people are so quick to uh, judge your experience and to try to shut you know, shush, shush, we are doing so much better. You should recognize how much better we are doing instead of focusing on what you went through. And I started writing what I was thinking was going to be a blog post. And the next day I actually emailed her asking for her to come back and have a conversation with me. Now that I had calmed down a little, it was in a more appropriate setting as opposed to a night event when I was having some wine and with my friends, but she never responded to my email. I was really hoping to continue the conversation, but she never responded to my email until she went back into uh, back to the university setting out of Asha. And you know, by the time she responded, it was like, well, I hope we'll get a chance to talk again in the future. And the cool thing in all this is that that experience propelled me to continue to write and the words just kept getting bigger when I you know I start writing that night and I had a lot of time during that uh, a flight coming back I had a long afternoon after Asha ended before I came back home and I was typing at the hotel I didn't have an intention of writing a book until I got home I got back home and I looked in my I had actually this bookcase right behind me and I had a book and I picked up the book and I like, no, I think I could write a book this thick. Let's see if I can make this happen. And I started Googling, how many words is this? And I figured out how many words was to write that book. In my head, I made the calculations, what it would take to write this book in 30 days. And I divided up by the number of days I needed to write 2000 plus words a day. I'm like, you know, I think I can do this if I focus this month that's about 10 pages a day if I'm correct is that right I I don't remember anymore but um (laughs) I had the google you know I was writing all of this on google docs and I had the word count going and I was based on the the word count that I wanted I was one I wanted to reach I believe was 45,000 words uh which was the number of that book by the time I hit 45,000 words about day 20 something, I still didn't feel like I was done. And I needed to keep going until I felt like, okay, now it's done. And it became like 52,000 or something. Wow. A lot of your book felt almost like a journal, you know, like, you know, I met this guy and then he was able to get this, this uh, project going for me but then this other guy kind of scammed me and like it was just like it was so natural like so easy to I I do audiobooks um and that's how I got onto you because I had made a video like a, a random joke real not even speech therapy related I said something like I'm addicted to audiobooks that was it and you just wrote to me you know I have a book and it's on audio <laughs> on audible and I was like I want it Barbara but I I love I love that about you that you will like jump in as yourself to a conversation and know that you are enough you are good enough there's nothing that you need to change there's nothing that you need to pretend to be to fit in and I I really did admire that I just I was like is that possible can we all be like this can we all just come as ourselves and and it is enough and it wasn't always like that for you I'm sure because 
especially talking about grad school, as unfortunate as the situation with that professor was, it something beautiful came out of it, right? Like an entire book came out of it. And I'm happy-ish that it happened at that time that she made that comment to you and not at a time where maybe you would have taken those feelings and done something else with it. Um, when you came out of grad school, what was what were you like? Like, what was your personality like? I mean, was it always this transparent and and vocal? I love this question because people tend to think uh, everybody we see, you know, think of big names. Uh, I don't know, Steve Jobs, right? People think that those people that you we know when they are successful, when they are big names, that they have always been that way. You've seen the final product. I create technology. The very first version of my solutions, they don't look as great as they look today. And this is just the same for us. Like I feel that we all have an opportunity to get better with time if we put time into it. So to answer your question, as far as being vocal, I do think we all have some core things of who we are that probably remains unchanged. I look at my kids today, and I see that they are two different human beings. Like my daughter has this joy that she, it's just who she is, right? And I can't remember what I was at seven years old, but I do have some core things that are, you know, I'm adventurous. There are things that I, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I imagine there are things within us that have always been the same. I left my country at the age of 21 knowing without knowing a single person in the United States. I didn't speak barely any English. I left, I was uh, set to graduate as a speech pathologist and an audiologist in Brazil. I left all of that behind. I know that it takes a certain type of personality to do this kind of stuff. I traveled through Europe without, with like $200 for two months. I was eating like a meal a day, sleeping in random people's homes that was uh, couch surfing, sleeping kitchens in airports and bus stations. It takes a certain kind of personality, right? But to the point of being able to speak about myself and, and share a lot of the things that I have gone through and experienced, it takes a lot of growth, a community. It takes people like you guys, hearing other people, I mean, it takes so much. You write that what happened generated so many beautiful things because of uh, how I was, where I was, and some other events that also happened at the same ASHA convention. I had a younger SLP at, at her earlier journey experiencing the same things. That I, that I experienced 15 years ago, where you'd hope she wouldn't be experiencing things because things are so different than they were 15 years ago. And so the fact that I had just heard from her earlier that day, I was already kind of, my mind was prepped for that moment. Maybe if she hadn't shown up at my booth earlier that day and shared her experiences with me, maybe I would have responded differently to that night event. So I think it's just a bunch of different circumstances that allowed me to be at the headspace that I was to be able to write the book. 
and plus a million other things. I have a supportive spouse that could watch my kids while I wrote the book. My kids were older. My kids were going to school. I mean, maybe if my kids were uh, not school age yet, I wouldn't have time to write the book. So a million different things here on this. And we could stay here forever just on answering this one question. I think you answering that question encapsulates how I feel about you and what I connect with you about. And Lisa was mentioning it before you came on, how you have this ability to talk about something that could be polarizing to some people or othering to some people. And somehow you make it light, but inclusive. And, you know, like just in that answer, you're like pumping yourself up but you're like listing out like, Hey, I had these things, these had these things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a mom, you know, like nobody feels sad when they're around you. And I love that. And then to add to the stories of how we connected, I connected uh, to you on social media in a very random, your Zumba videos. (laughs) I was like, yes, we need more SLPs who are one week at ASHA, the next week on vacation, the next week doing Zumba videos, because this is real life. Like this is what professionals look like. And I, I love it. Oh, I appreciate that. I broke my foot actually on Valentine's day. And so I haven't been to the gym in almost two months. I went to physical therapy for the first time today and it's driving me crazy that I not only haven't been to the gym to dance, but I have not been able to do my videos. Oh, (laughs) I want to, I want to add a small comment about, uh, dance. Uh, (laughs) so you have just like changed the game for me in terms of presenter presenters to me, first of all, were white. All of them that I saw at Asha when I went there a couple of years ago, um, they were not very approachable and there was no way I would go up to a presenter and say, do you want to make a TikTok with me? No way. (laughs) Until I met you. But the, the dance part is funny to me because I, I'm careful with who I do what with because I want to showcase people's skill set and talent. I don't ever want to make TikToks that insult people or don't make them look good. So um, I asked you, like on a scale from one to 10, how good of a dancer are you? You're like 11. Let's go. <laughs> Talk about confidence. It's but true. You know, I was right there. I saw it. <laughs> you would so film that TikTok in 30 seconds like that. to this comment because I'm going to tie this back to the earlier question Lisa I received uh what at Asha last year I was invited to do some kind of interview for how I got the job and I went to the studio with like all these lights fancy cameras and Asha just messaged me yesterday the video is done we need you to approve uh if we can post it And I was like, oh my gosh, I was not the one holding the camera. I could not even see myself. I I have no clue what this looks like. My response was go ahead and publish. It's been 40, it's been 24 hours. I still haven't clicked on it. So while I can tell you, yes, I can dance at 11. Do you think it's always that we, we don't have insecurities? We do. I do. And it's still there, but I, I jumped anyways. I said, you know what, go ahead, publish. It will take me some time to get 
the nerve to go and click on the video and see how how everything did I stumble on my words? Did I say something grammatically incorrect? So these things still go through my mind. Did I pronounce everything correctly? I still struggle with all of this. It's still real. It's still going to be here. Probably I'm going to die with these moments and feeling insecure. So don't think that just because I have moments where I'm like, okay, this is something I'm really good at. I'm really comfortable doing this, that I don't have moments where I feel insecure because it just happened yesterday. We talked about, you mentioned that you are a mom, you have two children, uh, and we were discussing before you got here how you juggle all of that. You did mention a very supportive partner, so I know that that's helpful as well, but but it's still a lot because you run your own company, and then I know, I mean, you have time for this podcast and a birthday party, and so let's let's talk about, about that and, and how you do all the things. Oh, I do all the things. I just do. I'm not sure how. One thing that I talk, so I, I've, I've done uh, therapy. My therapist is in Brazil. She'd be really proud of me um, sharing a few of the things here. But on a very, a few recent sessions that we've had, one of the conversations I've had with her was, so I have ADHD and one of her lines, her lines of therapy is that we don't make everything a pathology. Autism, uh, ADHD, these is part of who you are as a human being with whatever comes with those traits. This is part of who you are. There is no Barbara with a different attention style. This is the Barbara that can focus for 30 days in the book and she won't see anything else. And then there's the Barbara that will struggle if somebody's eating right next to her, or maybe in a different room, and I can't do any work. So all of this to say that I think, in my therapist and I, we always talk about my ADHD is my strength. Over the years, and I don't know what it is like, what he was like when I was young uh, as a child, right? I see Barbara now as an adult. Um, and my ability to shift things, to shift attention, and to juggle a million things, I think is related to how my brain is wired in a different attention setup. And I think this allows me to juggle a million things, but I don't think I could not juggle a million things. I like juggling a million things. I like throwing the craziest birthday party for my kids and uh, having initiatives for my for my businesses that are new and fresh. Otherwise, I'll be bored. So I think I thrive in having a million things to get done. And this is just part of how I'm wired, I think. I love that you know your personality so well and you, and you embrace it. You're not trying to, again, like I said before, you're not trying to be anyone else. You're not trying to fit a certain norm. I did want to ask you, because you had mentioned in the book that you struggle with patience. So having to wait on like someone to approve something, to approve something before you can kind of move forward. And I, you kind of mentioned with the video and that would kill me by the way, because to me, to, if the TikTok doesn't take like five minutes or less, I'm not making it. So that's just how it goes. But anyway, um, a lot of us 
don't have a choice but to have those jobs where you have like 75 people breathing down your neck and and you want like you know the you want your insurances you want your med medical stuff you want everything covered and when you venture out on your own sometimes it's difficult to have that security so i i wanted your thoughts on that okay, okay. So the very first thing i would say is that we do have a choice but it comes with a trade-off right now it depends on whether or not you're willing to take the risk like i'm a huge risk taker I moved here and all these other things that I do because that's, I'm wired for risk. Now, the first part of your question relating to, I already forgot the first part of the question. It's about being impatient. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I need to give people a little bit of a context on, I do run two businesses And these businesses have multiple initiatives that I'm managing. So, for example, installing communication boards in different cities around the country. And this is something that I started last year, which my husband tells me it's my third business. So in all this, I'm able, I'm I'm the main decision maker on my businesses. And I think I gradually came here and I enjoy and I thrive in this position because I love taking the risk of trying new things. And so if I have an idea that I think I'm good at creating, making communities more inclusive because I have the resources and the ability to do that, I'll go ahead and do it. I tell all, I tell my team, look, I wanna put communication boards in every city. What, what do we have to do here? I want you to stop that project. You're gonna shift now to this one and I can tell them and delegate a few things for my entire team to shift effort. Now, it wasn't always like this. I was a school-based SLP and it was, it was hard. Eventually I went from doing therapy to doing evaluation only, which is what I enjoy doing as a, as a clinician. I love doing evaluations, bilingual assessments. That was primarily what I did after I graduated. And there was a lot of freedom in that work too. I was able to travel between schools because I was managing various campuses, but starting a bit from being a school-based SLP to starting a business, it's, there's a million steps, right? So people get stuck on that, man, how am I going to do all of these things? And they never take the first step. I will say, just like the video, if i if I don't feel comfortable looking at it and approving, I just approve anyways. So if you still don't know what having your own business would look like, just take the next step. Think of the name of your business and what would it take to look up the register domain? And little by little, you can start building the life that brings you joy. So I do think we have choice if this is something that people are struggling, so like you and like me and Lisa, it's challenging for us to have a million people, a million decision makers. I think the, the best path is to either work with somebody that will let you have this freedom. So have some, I have some people work with me that I don't talk with them for weeks. I let, I let her do her job. Whenever you need me, I'm here. You have my phone, you have my contact message me whenever, as long as you're doing you and we're doing what we're supposed to do, 
So maybe you find an employer that fits with your personality and yet you might have a more joyful uh, workday, but we do have a choice. So did I know that this is what I really wanted? No, I didn't know. I wanted just to make a solution that I thought you would help a lot of people. And I didn't even plan on leaving my school job. I thought it was just going to be extra vacation money. So, but it became my full-time thing in less than a year. But I just took small steps towards that. And, but I think when you're working, when you're doing things that play to your strengths, it, it's, you not only live a more joyful day, but you will see that slowly the path gets easier and easier. When I... Um, started my business. I was a school-based SLP. I had just bought my first home with my husband. I had recently gotten married. I had my mortgage, car payment, all the things that everybody has, right? I didn't have any kids. Now that was a lot easier. And I don't know if I would have made this transition with kids, very different scenario there. Uh, but I would work my eight hour day at the school and I would come home at night and work from five to whenever on my business. So you don't have to just say, I'm going to start my business. Let me quit my job and starve. No, you can take small steps. So when I registered the domain, I hired my developer. All of this I did with my school salary. I still had my full-time job and I was doing basically as a side gig, which I've seen several people do. In the beginning, you do as a side gig. Whenever I was already generating revenue from my apps, I, when I was able to quit the school job, the job, I was doing the job of at least three people because I was the only bilingual SLP they had in the district with a, a district that was primarily Spanish speaking. And it, it was, it was just eating me up. Could I already do my business? full-time, I student wasn't making enough to do that, but I quit my school job and I was, I was working for um, a home health company doing assessments. And I did that three times a week. And then not two days a week, I was doing my business. So you don't have to just jump and say, Barbara's crazy. She, she just jumped on this, right? <laughs> just take small steps. There is, there is a way to slowly balance and get to where you want to be. It's really nice to hear this conversation, to hear you talk about this this way. So full disclosure, I also have a small business um, that I started um, my own practice. And interestingly enough, when you mentioned about kids, um, it made me think about myself too, because uh, I started my business. I had a few different contracts that I was working independently. And then I, and I already had a son. And then this past August, I had my second son and I had a really hard time transitioning back into my business. Being, a, going from a mom of one to a mom of two is just something that really rocked my world. And I actually have taken on, um, you know, an employment situation again. So I, I do work now um, as an employee for somebody else part-time so I still have a little bit of time for my business, a little bit of time for the bold SLP. And I, I really think that that's also empowering. I, at first I kind of felt like I, my business had failed a little bit, 
but I am trying to reframe it. Um, and it's really nice to hear you say this because it is about like forward steps, right? Even if I take a little step back, I still have my business. It's still set up. I still have my accounts. You know, I still have opportunities to do the work I want to do, especially because, you know, I know that even if my current position doesn't work out, I still have somewhere where I can go and try to start again. Cause I'm in that boat that Lisa was mentioning. Like, you know, I, I started my business with, you know, just by doing it part-time, doing it on the side, working part-time uh, with the support of my spouse. And when it didn't become financial, it wasn't financially feasible anymore. And I had difficulty getting back into it. I was able to go back to working um, just a regular employee position, but I, I think that it's so true. Like starting is the hardest part. Yeah. And one thing that I would say is over the years, I've gotten really good at being more analytical on why am I failing in certain things? So sometimes it's related to how I structure a few things. Sometimes it's nothing related to what I'm doing. So don't think about sometimes we fail at things, especially in business, and we think, what did I do? Sometimes it's just the circumstances. You know, I think for me with apps, I just happened to already be doing this before the iPad came out. So I was doing this at the right time for the right business. So there are a lot of things that sometimes timing goes into it. So just think just a little piece of, of that, if that helps at all. I think you will always be successful because it seems like your heart is always like, how many more people can I help? How many more people can I include in this? Like, that's really like clearly your goal. I wanted to add with the small steps you were talking about, because the schools pay us so poorly, I have learned to budget everything. So I'm used to a base salary that's very low. So going into private practice, I don't have to work nearly as hard as I did at the schools because I only need like five to 10 clients a week to make up a full 40 hours at a school. So that's something that people don't often think about because they think I'm not working. I don't have 40 kids on my caseload. But because you were so sucked in in the school to see so many kids because they were making all this money, but you weren't. So something for hopefully our audience who's thinking about having private practices or, or taking that first step, you don't have to work as hard when you're doing the thing that you love, that you're good at, that you're paid properly for. Mm-hmm. But Ingrid, I, I feel like you had something to say. Oh, I was just connecting some dots. Um, Cause I, I don't know if you guys know this about me actually, but I love statistics. Your, my analogy to what you do and describe as risk-taking is like, you're always trying things out. And so when it hits, it hits. And it seems from an outsider perspective, like you're getting hit after hit after hit, but we don't see all the work underneath. Um, so that's kind of what I was like diluting in my brain. I'm like, oh, well, she's trying things. So that's why it hits. And if you sit here, I'm like telling myself, if you sit here and you don't try anything, nothing's ever going to hit. Like statistically speaking, Barbara has a way higher, higher chance of getting her ideas published, her apps published, her business is growing. Um, so I was learning that like the subtext of what you were saying, I think. That's something that I'll take away from the conversation. Thanks for sharing that. And, but here's the thing that I, maybe I'm taking the rule now that I want to interview you guys. 
do you find that could you do this without being a risk taker? And how could you do that? Yeah, I was already thinking like maybe I, I don't have ADHD and I don't have a high tolerance for high risk. But if I take the steps and plan, you know, because where do I want to go? Maybe like business in a sense of like creating things is not my way, but business in a way that I reach people. Going back to clinical instruction, I love teaching. I love mentorship. I'm like, how can I do more of that, more consulting in that way? Um, so yeah, I was already like thinking like, what are some, um, so I'm thinking like, what can I do to like start taking steps that are like realistic? So the interesting thing about burnout, people have no idea how many hours I work a day. I work way more hours than people would ever imagine. But I could literally wake up the next morning at five in the morning and I'll come and sit right here, very happy. So now this is not something that I study that I know anything about. Some days I don't work at all, right? But I do have the drive that the hours don't leave me burned out because I'm doing what brings me joy. That it, it really, it doesn't feel like the sense of how we define work. But you don't have to be a risk taker, but you do have to be an action taker on the smallest steps. It doesn't need to be crazy actions, right? It can, it can be very small steps. And mm -hmm. I know that for a lot of people, doing life, work life on your own is very scary. I am still scared, right? Both of my kids need medical insurance. This country is wild with healthcare, completely wild. I pay $2,500 every month for my insurance. But there, there are ways to just to even figure out because you need to figure out next steps. I'm sure so many people are in exactly your spot right yeah. now and are feeling like you're feeling. And, and it's like Barbara said, people might see us with this podcast and think we're like happy all the time, fulfilled, like everything is going great. And like, mm -hmm. it's a it's a struggle on, on different levels. And I still get scared when clients cancel. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's like my source of revenue. Right. But I will not, I will not take that out on them. I will literally lose an entire client if I'm rude or if I say something like, you know, you owe me this. I have to be careful with what I say and do. And I'm happy to be forgiving for someone who's sick. And then they just come back after and then, and then we're all good. You know, like it's, it's not, Anyway, but all of this is part of, it's part of running a business, right? Yeah. Now. Oh so yeah. I deal with this constantly. We sold a communication board to a city park here in Texas and it's right there. It looks beautiful. It's really, it, it, it's for one of the largest successful playgrounds here. And they called us and said, Hey, uh, we want to switch materials. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, how much it costs to produce this? But you know what? It's a huge city in Dallas, in the in Texas. So I had somebody go there and just say, you know, yeah, we'll switch the aluminum. And now I have this board here that I have no use for um, because it's fully customized to their playground, which is really unique. So regardless of where people are or of how high up you guys, we all imagine people are, all of these things are going to show up in our life and we're going to have to just 
deal with it. And there will be stress and tension here and there. But I think the big picture is just you feeling that you have enough that brings you joy so that when these moments happen, you feel like you can deal with them as opposed to being the opposite, having an overwhelming day versus smaller moments of joy with that one special kid you love. You talked about the burnout and um, I felt some of the work I was doing when I was working for other people was not meaningful, was not impactful. And I think my final straw was I am not the best version of myself and I am no longer giving quality services to these kids. I'm just like, next, 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 next. And um, that's really when I knew I had to go. I mean, despite all other battles I was going through, that was the big one. Oof, this was this was not my best and I know I can do better. But to your point, I'll see like maybe one client one day and happily write a whole big thing for their parent for the next six hours just because I have the time. I'm excited about it. But like if a boss had told me you need to write this assignment, I would have been so upset and I would have like not wanted to do it. So, so yeah, I, I, I feel I work much longer hours now, but I'm happy and not burnt out. I can make TikToks in between and nobody's like checking over my, 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 my minutes or time. Um, but that uh, brings me to the final word because <laughs> we do have to wrap up. This session really felt like therapy. I'm not going to lie. This was beautiful. Thank you. Um, but my final words are take small steps. You said so many beautiful things. I, I like risk taker and helping as many people as possible, but take small steps is, is what I'm taking away. My... Am I supposed to now? Okay, I'm glad that you guys are going to go because I'm like, I have no clue. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'll jump in. Uh, and that's actually my, ironically, that is my final word, jump in. It's kind of the opposite of the taking small steps, but, but it is so rewarding to find someone who has the kind of energy that you have. And I also feel like I commit myself to a lot of different projects and it keeps me vibrant. Um, and I find myself really feeling grounded when I have a lot of different things to work on, as opposed to just doing the same thing day in and day out. I feel like I'm the best version of myself when I jump in. Um, and so that really resonated with me. So thank you. I'm going to start throwing that around at people saying, Hey, just jump in. Um, water's fine. You know, jump in. <laughs> My final word for this episode is impactful. I feel like I felt that from your TikToks and Zumba, just like changing my perception of what professional and successful SLPs look like, because, you know, the white majority SLP has like a hold on what that looks like on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and then seeing your fun Brazilian self out there was, you know, really important to me back in 2020 when I didn't even have an Instagram account. And then now closing on to this conversation that I think has just been really impactful for me. So thank you. Well, I don't think I can top this off. One beautiful thing that I saw here today and maybe support is, is my, my word. So I think oftentimes for us to jump in, to take small steps, we need support. All of you have that. I have that. Uh, maybe not all of us have it in all places, but that's when maybe we need to look for new places where support is. So that that's, I guess, why I work there. 
Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Thank you for having me. This, this was great. I, we could stay here for a couple more hours. We have some really exciting news for you today. Our course is officially launching in June of 2023, just in a few short weeks. If you haven't heard, we've been working on a course, the three of us together here at the Bold SLP podcast, Lisa, Desi, and myself, Ingrid. We are very excited to share it with you this summer. We want to be in community with the SLPs, students, other professionals who sign up and just really work at understanding the limitations of traditional evaluation methods. Dig deeper into how to respectfully work with clients who come from different backgrounds than us, who don't share our lived experiences. So we're really going to focus our attention on solutions and strategies to prevent harm in bilingual and multicultural evaluations. And we hope to see you there. Thank you for listening and supporting the Bold SLP Collective. You can find a closed captioned version of this podcast on our YouTube channel. We will also have show notes on our website. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you do all the podcast things. Follow, subscribe, download, and review. And don't forget, we love hearing from you. So connect with us on Instagram at the Bold SLP Collective. Stay bold and humble. See you next time.